Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with AJ Ballantyne. He is the CEO and founder of Cornerstone Remodeling and Render. Over at Cornerstone, their vision is to be a business that prioritizes life. They strive to be better, better craftsmen, designers, friends, and people. And their company promotes a welcoming and peaceful environment that reflects a heavenly influence in the workplace and at home. Now for my conversation with AJ Ballantyne. Hey, AJ, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Definitely yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited for today. Give everyone a little bit of context. Who are you? What's the company and where are you guys located? Yeah, no problem. So name AJ. I am owner, founder of Cornerstone Remodeling in Ellicott City, Maryland. So we started the company almost actually a little over 12 years ago now. And it's been, it's been a really fun journey. Yeah, that's cool. So 12 years. So that puts 2011. Is that right? Yeah, 2011. Okay. I, I usually have to think about it because it's we started the same year that I had my first first child. So it was quite a quite a time to start a business. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, what were you doing before that, and what prompted you to to start the company? Man, so I I got my roots with my father and his family. We're all in construction. Kind of grew up kind of around trades and around tools. But my mom's side of the family was all on the artistic side. So my aunts, my grandmother, all in architecture, art. So kind of had a little bit of a blend of both. So when I was figuring out, you know, what I wanted to do with my life, you know, when you're 16, 17, 18, trying to figure out what you want to do, architecture and construction were both two big passions. So I started to explore architecture. I was in college for a little bit, kind of saw my life flash before my eyes and sitting in front of a desk. And I didn't know if that's what I wanted to do for my whole life. So I started working for a remodeling company in Ellicott City. And it really kind of opened my eyes to the design build segment of the of the construction industry, which I loved because I loved being able to design a project, kind of see it, see the space for what it was, see the space for what it could be, and have a hand in actually transforming that. So, worked at the remodeling company for a couple of years, and you know, my partner at the time that we you know kind of grew a phenomenal friendship. We were kind of in the same phase of life. We both had. A wife, kids, or for me, it was a kid on the way. And we decided now is a better time than any to start a company. So we saw a huge need in the market for, you know, especially in our area to have more like a concierge type of business where we were actually doing a lot of the hand holding with clients from the time that they, you know, signed a contract or, you know, knew what they, that they were going to choose you to do their modeling project to actually pulling it off. There's so much of that in between that we felt that. A lot of other businesses were dropping the ball, helping clients pick things out or understanding the true vision for how this project's actually going to take place. So we decided to start our own company and really 
put a heavy focus on the, you know, not just the front end or the back end, but that kind of that middle section as well. Put a lot of emphasis on the design of part of for the design builds. And here we are. We we kind of entered the market in, like I said, 2011. We started winning some awards for the best of our, you know, county back in 20. Our first one was 2014. We won best of Baltimore, so kind of more of like our region. And then just kind of kept adding to it by providing, you know, just stellar service. For me, it was just being normal, you know, <laughs> being a good human, being a good business leader, you know, leading a good culture of the company. But, you know, really kind of caught wind, especially, I think, especially in our market or our industry, having just good people and, you know, interactions with good contractors, something that a lot of homeowners crave. So, unfortunately, that was our differentiator. It shouldn't be, but it was. Yeah. So, We've been riding a really good reputation for the last decade, which has been really cool to watch, especially as we've been growing. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, take us back to the first year. You know, you start the company, you just get rolling. Like, what was the first 365 days like? Oh, man. So every business advisor is going to tell you, put together some sort of business plan, right? We threw our business plan away effectively after three months. I mean, we... In a good way. I mean, we we grew a lot faster than we thought we would. You know, I think our five year goal was to hire an employee, and I think our first employee we hired within our first six months, and we had six employees within twelve months. So that first year, like any startup, really was just a whirlwind. You know, you've got to be nimble. You got to be. You know, I call it the art of the pivot. You kind of expect the unexpected, but even when you get thrown a curveball that you really couldn't have anticipated just the art of knowing how to manage that and make the most out of it. So yeah, the first year was just a lot of growing pains, a lot of learning curves. Neither my business partner or I had any sort of business background. I think that was probably the one thing that maybe held us back a little bit in the beginning was just a lack of understanding about how business actually works in the real world. My accountant, and he was more of like a business coach for us in our early years, uh, he always said, you you get your master's degree one way or another. You, you, you'll either get it in college or you're going to get it on the street. Both are about the same price. You know, They're about the same expense because if you're getting it on the street, you're going to be learning through mistakes and mistakes cost money. So that's how we got ours. But after that first year, you know, it's, it hasn't been smooth sailing, but we definitely learned a lot that first year. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you've mentioned growing pains and and learning a lot. Were there one or two things that really stick out that you kind of learned the hard way that first year? Probably one of the biggest things were the overall cost of doing business on the overhead side, the expenses. You know, you can't really fully grasp how expensive it is to run a company. And I mean, I think every business owner is going to agree with the words that are about to come out of my mouth is that nobody, nobody understands. You know, we get family members and friends, they're like, oh, you own your own business. You must be rich. You have no idea how expensive it is to run a company. And I think that's that was probably one of the biggest, again, probably not a surprise, but it was like kind of like an unfortunate understanding was like, oh, so it is really expensive. Workman's comp was big, you know, just playing by the rules, regulations, compliance, all that stuff. Again, if you don't have a business background, you're kind of like learning all that stuff and it's kind of you have to soak it up like a sponge and not make any mistakes that you can't very quickly turn around. So that was probably the uh, the biggest realization we had when we first launched was just the the amount of compliance and cost there is with that. 
Yeah, there's a lot more going going on behind the scenes that most people realize that that aren't running their own business. So, yeah. Well, I'm curious, you know, as you kind of got into those first couple of years, you you mentioned like the art of the pivot. Was there one or two big like big pivots or big turns that you guys kind of like got going down a path and you're like, "Oh, actually, I think we need to do something totally different." Yeah, honestly, it was probably, it's probably standard practice for some who've actually gone through some of those glass ceilings. When I say glass ceilings, there's usually revenue markers that kind of dictate how much you can grow in your company without making massive changes, right? And for us, we realized that right around that $2 million mark. And, you know, we had basically built an awesome company, you know, through the first couple of years, we kind of hit that $2 million glass ceiling. And, we were loving life. I was working less. We had built systems and processes and had our way of doing things. And then we we decided to grow past that. And goodness, I mean, I had to redo all of my processes. I had to learn how to adopt new technology for things that we kind of made work in different ways. And we thought we had it going on. And then all of a sudden, we realized we didn't. And then learning all of those new processes, quickly having to tweak them. So you basically scrap everything. You start almost start over. And it's that J curve they talk about, right? You you kind of go off into the deep end and you kind of figure out a way to swim to the other side. And and as you're tweaking those processes, you're figuring out, okay, we just came up with this new process. This doesn't quite work as well as we need to. So you're trimming fat. You're course correcting a little bit and you're constantly kind of having to tweak all of those little things until you kind of get it right. And you never you never ultimately do get it right. But you get something that works a lot better than it did. So that was number one. And of course, my number one and my number two kind of come at the same time. So we decided to grow our business in 2019 and enter 2020, right? So that was, you know, talk about a pivot, right? (laughs) I don't think anybody expected expected that. Nobody Um, teed that one up. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, right? You know, even if even when we started hearing about COVID and what it was, I mean, we, I think the whole world was watching to figure out, okay, is this really kind of one of those movies that we've watched where the whole world just kind of shuts down or is this just kind of like people are kind of overreacting? Yeah, sure enough. Shut the whole world down. <laughs> it's funny now because we're like a few years into it. And so just reflecting back on that, like you always, with hindsight, everything kind of like lines up or you can see like, oh, I would have done this differently. But like in that moment, I mean, I still remember just like, yeah, there's so many question marks, so many just like a lot of scrambling, trying to figure out, you know, what's going to happen. And and speaking about pivots, I mean, we were we were kind of playing it all like reactionary as things were happening, as things were, you know, getting shut down or as, you know, new, you know, new laws, they call them laws. They, they were just, you know, reactions from the government that were trying to figure out what's the best way forward. I mean, as the government was, was you know, putting these restrictions in place and we were all reacting to all those things here I'm, i've got this business on this side and where i'm trying to figure out okay not only does my business have to change how we operate based on these new governmental regulations but i also have to figure out how my business is going to operate with my clients emotions the you know with covid we weren't being you know we couldn't get into people's homes you know sales i think for everyone across the board the phone just stopped ringing because Who's calling a contractor when there's this, you know, deadly virus that's kind of sweeping the the world? You know, that's the kind of last thing that was on a lot of people's minds. Well, so we thought until we started, you know, actually getting more and more phone calls because then people were locked in their houses and hating their kitchen and hating their, you know, they needed a home office, you know, and they needed to renovate. So what were they doing? They were 
brainstorming. They were calling us and then we had to figure out how in the world we were going to service our customers in this new COVID world, right? Thank God we're on the backside of it now. Looking back, it's like, what are my kids going to remember from that time when, you know, there were no cars on the road, you know, everybody was wearing masks and you couldn't travel anywhere. And I don't know. It was, it was pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of, I mean, you said that you were like at that $2 million ceiling and then you'd made the decision to grow and then it was like the pause and then like rocket ship. So what, like what happened for you guys over the last couple of years? So we, you know, we had three decisions that we could have made in 2020. So when, when we grew in 2019, we went from a $2 million company to a $3 million company in 12 months. And our goal for 2020 was to do four and a half. And then our 2021 goal was to do six. And so we going into 2020, you know, we had started to institute these new processes. We had all these new personnel that we were bringing in. And uh, yeah, sure, you know, the whole world paused. So for us, we had three decisions to make. One would be, you know, we just kind of day put, you know, and, and kind of just let things meander right now and try to figure things out. But for me, that was just, oh my gosh, my overhead is crazy right now. There's no way I can just hang out right here. Option two, retreat a little bit, you know, preserve cash let people go, go back to maybe the smaller version of our company that was felt at the time more self-sustaining. But I hate defeat. And I don't like backpedaling. I, I don't know. I just, I, it's not in my nature. So option three would be put the foot on the gas, figure this one out, you know? And so we, we did exactly that. I mean, we put the foot on the gas. We made a couple of extra hires. We spent more money, probably more money than we should have. But, you know, looking back, it's like, man, we made the right call. You know, so we, we did that. So we, we put the foot on the gas. We made a couple of really key hires, continued to, you know, expand our process, you know, bringing in some additional technology, improving our systems and everything, you know, to help us be able to run our sales team more efficiently, run lead management more efficiently, market our company in different ways. We, you know, brought on some extra help in the field because we kind of shook up our organization chart, kind of looking for that middle management layer that was missing. Yeah. So we kind of shored up everything. I called it reinforced. We kind of like grew in 2019 and then 2020 was like more of a reinforcement. So we were doing all that while we were shut down and reimagining what remodeling was going to look like on the other side. And, you know, ended up we ended up launching another company through all of that too, which was pretty wild. But, you know, with the remodeling business, it was, you know, business owners usually have a choice whether to, you know, risk it all or, you know, kind of just kind of meander up and kind of take growth as it comes. And we, you know, like I said, we decided to risk it all. And here we are on the other side. Now we're, you know, I think our goal for this year is really to cruise up a little north of 8 million in revenue. I think next year we're really trying to refine, you know, how we get to that $10 million mark. So just to continue to keep growing a couple million dollars in revenue a year so far, so far, so good. Trajectory is looking steady at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's cool. Yeah. It sounds like you guys made, made the right call and yeah, there's always those gut check moments and you, you don't know until probably one, two, three years down the road, if you make the right call and then you look back and go, we either did or we didn't. So yeah. 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 Kudos to you guys. So I want to get into, you know, you said you launched another company. So I want to get into that in a second. But before we do, there's always like 
crazy, wacky client stories, weird projects, stuff you bump into in, in remodeling. Anything coming to mind that you can share with us? Obviously leave out, you know, names and you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Oh man. Yeah. So honestly, we've run our business so clean over the last decade that we've, you know, we kind of sniffed these out. I think most people can, as long as they have good common sense, you, you can see crazy coming most of the time. But if you don't meet the spouse, that's when it'll sneak up on you. And we had, goodness, we had a couple actually this year that, you know, I'm not really, I, I don't know if I can even, you know, I don't know if any of them would ever listen to this podcast. <laughs> Most but, likely uh, yeah, not. We, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Hopefully not. You know what? Even if they do, they are causing some grief. I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, when when you don't meet the spouse and the spouse turns out to be the one who, you know, is a little bit on the psycho side that's when you know the walls start <laughs> coming in at you but yeah we had we had unfortunately three or four not even back to back they were almost si- simultaneous going on at the same time just dealing with people that had just outrageous you know expectations or you know just wants uh, changes through the remodeling process i mean we're like what are we doing wrong are we are we attracting crazy people are we not doing the work that we said that we would uh, are we missing something? Like, because literally four different people were, you know, holding us like the, the bar. They were setting so high for how things were supposed to look or supposed to happen. And we're like, geez, what is going on? Yeah, no. Uh, and f- unfortunately, for several of these, it was just the spouse that we never met. And had we met them, we probably would have seen the writing on the wall and said, no. But yeah, I, I would have stories for days. That's a part of what's great about round tables, right? With other business owners, you guys can commiserate around, you know, all the crazy circumstances that you find yourself in. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. dealing with people, you know, yeah, with people in their homes. As you were saying that this, this may not be true at all, but it's, it's funny because like you mentioned earlier that you guys like won some awards early on and then you kind of like continue to build like some awards and that's great for marketing. But then I also wonder if that, if people are like, wow, they've won these like, 30 awards, like, and then the bar just goes like way, you know, like in, in their minds. And, and I don't know if that's all the way true, but I think probably some people just, they have an expectation and nobody's ever going to meet it. And, you know, it's just, <laughs> you bump into that's that. more or less, you know, we, we usually set the expectations very early on. We train our sales staff to really set the the expectations for how the project will go. You know, we, we like, you know, that I think everybody's familiar with the old adage, you know, under promise over deliver. And that's, more or less what we do. We say, Hey, we keep your job site clean, but we don't really say how we're going to keep it clean. And then when our guys are in there with a negative air machine and they're vacuuming up and they, they'll even bring out Swiffer wet jet and they'll kind of move through the, the house and kind of clean up dust in adjacent rooms. I mean, they weren't expecting that. They love it. You know? So those are things that we just kind of do, but man, I'll tell you what, like some, some of these clients are, you know, it's, it's less about how we're running the job and more about, you know, we showed up at 7.15 and 7, 7.30. And that's a big deal for us. It's like, all right, well, just, you know, let me know. And I'll <laughs> tell my guys to wait outside. But, you know, it's just that that wasn't even, that's not even one of the worst things. I mean, it's been, it's been pretty nuts, you know, managing those expectations. I, I think it's just more the type of people that we got kind of coming in the door this year than we have been able to root out in the past. So. Fingers yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's tough. Well, hopefully you you got them all at once and you're you're through for a little while. So <laughs> I sure I sure hope so. Yeah, we had our first 
And our first time that we've had to actually cancel a contract midway through the project and actually walk away from the job. And that happened this year. In the midst of you know dealing with everything else, we had our first client that we, there was just absolutely no way for us to you know kind of bridge the the gap, the differences in how the job was going. We saw it completely one way, you know, on our side. They saw it completely one way on their side. So here I'm the mediator trying to figure out, you know, as a business owner, I think it's good practice to kind of put the shoe on the other foot, you know, trying to put yourself in their in, in their eyes. What are they seeing on their side? Obviously, it's a very emotional purchase. Homes are their biggest, for most people, it's the biggest investment they've ever made. So here we are kind of disrupting their personal life or we're messing with their house. So why are they reacting this way? And goodness gracious, we couldn't see we couldn't see it. They kind of wanted to take advantage of the situation and and really take it take it down a path. Unfortunately, you know, through a lot of experience, a lot of good counsel over the last decade, we put ourselves in a very comfortable position to kind of negotiate our way out of that contract. You know, we were ahead on the on the financial side where, you know, one of the number one things that we learned is don't finance a customer's project. And this was number one. I mean, we had, you know, we had money that we ended up having to refund them. And that felt good because it gave yeah. us a, you know, a little bit more negotiating power to say, we want this to end amicably, as amicably as it can. And it did. We, you know, we were able to come away unscathed, no bad reviews, kind of just shake off the dust and say, we're going to give you guys what you, you know, what you need. And but you're not going to take advantage of us or this situation because we have more negotiating chips. So that was a that was one of our you know first experiences with anything like quite like that. But again, just managing that is protecting reputation. I think becomes your number one priority in that in that circumstance. So thankfully, we were able to do that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. Obviously, tough situation, but it sounds like yeah, navigated it well. So that's good. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a second and say thank you for listening to the podcast. And in addition, if you ever want your marketing questions answered on the show, shoot a quick email to radio at builderfunnel.com. That's radio at builderfunnel.com. All right, back to the show. So going back, you said you in the midst of all this like hyper growth, you also started another company. What's the scoop there? Oh gosh. That's a whole conversation for another podcast. <laughs> in a nutshell, though, if you recall in 2020, like I said, you know, we had a choice to make on whether to backtrack and kind of reduce the amount of employees we had and kind of go back, or we could step the foot on the gas and figure out a way to kind of pull through. And one of those things that we did to kind of step when we decided to step on the gas, we said, okay, first thing we need are sales. How are we going to sell projects? in the midst of COVID when we can't get into people's houses. And, you know, we came up with a, you know, nifty idea at the time. It was just a stopgap where I called my web guy and said, Hey, can you build a landing page for us that has a contact form with the ability for customers to upload photos and videos to our website on the contact form? And at the time we called it remote quote, we said, Hey, you know, we can't get into your house, but if you send us eight photos of a room, you know, get every corner, every wall, or take a quick little video or sometimes both. Give us a rundown of what you want to do and we'll get you an estimate based on the photos. So I got together with one of my designers at the time and I said, we got to make sure we can do this. So, you know, I said, I'm going to send you pictures of a kitchen and I can't remember where I was, but I took pictures of this really obscure kitchen. 
And I said, I, I want you to build a floor plan based on my photos. Can you do it? And sure enough, we sat down with the photos, kind of built a floor plan. It was a very rudimentary process. I mean, we were taking photos of a kitchen, looking at the dishwasher, knowing it was two feet wide. We were going two feet, four feet, six feet, eight foot, yeah. nine, a little bit. You know, So we were building a scaling a floor plan. But ultimately, we knew that if we're giving an estimate for someone in that early stage, a lot of the estimate is very fluid. We're building everything with allowances for cabinets and you know all the selections. So we said, as long as we're close, I think we can get pretty, you know, we can get customers, you know, pretty accurate estimates this way. And sure enough, it, I mean, it was a hit. It was an overnight success. I mean, we we started getting requests. Like I said, everybody was in their homes. Everybody was hating their homes. So we started getting requests and we were able to fulfill these estimate requests in a matter of like two days. We were turning them out and it was great because we were selling contracts. I mean, we have plenty of stories where we'd have a customer that would email us pictures of their primary bathroom. We'd get them an estimate out the door, you know, same day, next day. And they're like, what's the next step? We're like, well, next step is a contract. Send them a contract digitally. That's part of our you know, process that we did in you know, 2019 is we started making all those digital, these co-construct. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on a podcast, but you know, you know, get the random plug in there. And so we would send them a contract digitally and they would sign it. We would go to pick up a check. The first time that we were stepping foot inside their home was to pick up a check, meet them and measure the space just to see, you know, we obviously want to be very accurate before we order cabinets and tile. But yeah, so we got really used to that process in 2020 and sure enough, things started to to open back up and we were getting out into people's homes, but gosh, we were looking at that saying like we were saving so much time, yeah. not visiting every single person in their home in, especially in that early stage. Cause we were, and one of the things that made us nervous was, well, if we're doing this remotely, are we going to get a lot of tire kickers and, you know, people that were just wasting our time and, our closing rate on our remote quotes were actually higher than those that we were getting going out to the homes, which Convenience, was peculiar. A powerful thing. <laughs> Convenience. I'll tell you what, you know, we, so we said, well, you know, with the success, we didn't want to give up that success, but obviously again, we're, I'm so fixated on processes and systems now and that whole building a floor plan from scratch, you know, using pictures and our own understanding of what the space really kind of looks like was you know, like I said, it was rudimentary. So we said, hey, can we pair technology with this need in this in, in our industry? And sure enough, we did. So we we looked into it. We started up a brand new company. And you know, with the knowledge that we have in construction paired with you know what we kind of experienced through COVID, you know, with the remote engagement, it just doesn't exist in home remodeling. It can't, right? Because how do you how do you sell projects without stepping foot inside of a client's home. It just, I mean, you need accurate measurements. You need to be able to see the space and understand what they want to do. It just, you know, millennials, they crave remote engagement, you know, with telehealth and, you know, ordering, you know, your favorite fast food. I mean, fast food's fast food. You can go through a drive-thru or go in and get food in five minutes, but what if you can get... What if you can just walk in the door and grab your food and walk out? You know, everybody got used to ordering their Chipotle through the app and then just walking in and grabbing it instead of waiting in line for 20 minutes. But again, remodeling, just you, you don't have that ability. So we decided to give remodelers that ability. So now I can actually invite, you know, I on a Friday afternoon, three o'clock, you know, I'm, I'm in the DC metro area. And if there's anything you know about the DC metro area, if you, no matter where you are in the country, 
traffic. Traffic. There's so many people that live here. It's unreal. So between DC, Baltimore, Philly, and New York, I mean, it's just one blob of a mess, right? So on a Friday afternoon, <laughs> if if I get a call from someone who's, you know, 20 miles from my office, that's a two-hour round trip. It's an hour there, hour back. And it'll be for a you know really decent lead. You know, you get a primary bath for a hundred thousand dollar budget, and you're like, I want to look at this. But oh, I don't want to be stuck in traffic on a Friday afternoon. So we'll send them an invite. Well, hey, you know, we'd love to get you an estimate on this project. And we can send them an invite and they can scan their room. And what we get on our side is a floor plan. And all the elevations are there. We can basically, you know, get an understanding of what the space looks like, pick their brain about what they want to do, and we can then give them an estimate. So at that point, they have an estimate from us that they can compare against other companies. And they've, you know, obviously we're the first ones to get out there and do it because everybody else has a two-hour round trip. <laughs> and and we've seen so much success out of being able to provide the the convenience for homeowners. And of course, the convenience for the homeowners translates for us. We're spending less money on lost leads. You know, if they decide to go with someone else, I, I didn't spend two hours, three hours of my time through a home consultation with them. So it's been a it's been a really fun business endeavor. You know, we just launched the initial version of our product last month, and you know, we have the that invite that remote engagement piece coming out this summer. And you know, we're we're thrilled to be able to present that to the public and give other remodelers a little bit of taste. Of, the success that we have been having with it since 2020. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. The, uh, I, I love it just from the, you know, the process and technology improvement side of it. But as a marketer, I was am trying to look for those, those elements that are different. Right. And the, the convenient, like, as soon as you said that, it was just like convenience, people pay for convenience and they'll also move quicker if there's something that's yeah. convenient. And so I would imagine you do get people where, you're able to turn around something really quick and then they were like, well, we should reach out to a couple more companies and then they have to like schedule them for a week out. And then, then it takes for, you know, and they, they might even just bag it. They might just, you know what, we've got that. Like this company was fast. Like if that's how fast they turn that around, like imagine what the rest of it's going to be like. So I think that's super cool. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And the, and the, the buyer environment is changing too. I mean, you know, impressing uh, our customers is, you know, number one, you know, it used to, it used to be showing them 3d renderings of a space. And that was all the rage with design builds, you know, 10, 15 years ago is, can I show them what the space can look like? Because there's guys that are writing numbers on napkins, but I'm presenting to them, you know, a, a floor plan, a 3d image. And this was really cool because it gave them confidence. Well, now everybody can, you know, seems to have the ability to do that. So what's the next differentiator and impressing homeowners now, I think with the convenience, especially you know, millennials are, I can't speak enough about millennials. You know, it's, I think they call it the missing generation because millennials haven't really showed up on scene up until recently with much of anything on a macroeconomic level. And here we have millennials that are, they're taking over the purchasing. So I think they're, what was the, the number that I saw? It was like 21% of all discretionary spending is coming from millennials now. Mm-hmm. Over a trillion dollars in, in annual spend from millennials. They are outpacing every other generation in home sales, of which I mean we all know the real estate market over the last couple of years. I mean, it started to cool off now, but we set a record in 2021. I think set over like I think almost seven million homes were sold in 2021 when the average, I think, over the last decade has been like five to five and a half million. So 
an extra million and a half home sales were completed in 2021. 46% of them were millennials. I think the next closest generation were the Gen Xers, which were like 28%. So here you get all these millennials coming on scene, all buying houses, all buying them for historically low interest rates. I'm mildly jealous because <laughs> my interest rate is not as good as it probably could have been had I timed mine as well. But you know, we have all these millennials that have homes. And of course, right now, what we're seeing is a cool down. Everybody's like, whoa, what just happened? There's a lot of cash in the market. Now all of a sudden there's inflation, interest rates are a little higher, but something is not going to change here. These millennials are not giving up that interest rate. I'll tell you that. And they're going to need to remodel these homes. If they don't do it right away, they're going to have to do it in the first five years. I can't remember what the stat is there, but I think it's like overwhelming. 75% of homes that are purchased are remodeled within the first two to three years. So, I mean, do the math. All these millennials buying things, millennials crave remote interaction four times more than any other generation, two and a half times more likely to adopt new technology for you know their everyday life. And here we are remodeling homes in a new way, giving them everything they want. They want the convenience, they want to do it fast, you know, they're conscious buyers. Here, you know, here we are. Of course, I'm speaking from the position of a millennial, but I mean you can't ignore it now. Yeah. There's data there's data here now that's you know propping all this up so yeah it's it's yeah. a fun time to be launching this business that's that's for sure yeah yeah it is interesting because i'm also in the millennial bucket and it it feels like you you sound like you know the the data pretty well but just anecdotally it feels like the millennial generation as a whole just their timeline for a lot of these like purchasing home purchase remodel just like their life stage was just like shifted I don't know, five, six years, more than any other generation, just they're making decisions later, having kids later, getting married later, like all of those types of things. So yeah, uh, that's why probably we're feeling it now and not three, four, five years ago. Big time. I mean, there's, there's a lot of data that supports like a lot of macroeconomic data that shows up why millennials have kind of showed up on the scene late with all of these things. I mean, it's, it's almost like we jumped in all of these stats because all of a sudden all of this became a little bit more real for us. You know, I'm, I, I've always differentiated differentiate myself. I, I started my career young. I got married young. I started having kids young, started the business young. So I, I felt like I was kind of out of the, you know, the typical or the stereotypical millennial was, you know, what I think our parents' generation and maybe Gen Xers kind of looked down at the millennials for a while saying, oh, millennials are living with their parents and they're not going anywhere. And all of a sudden we, we moved, we, we did something, uh, we did go somewhere and it's kind of taken the industry, not just the industry, it's kind of taken the entire U S economic, you know, scene by storm. And here we are in a home improvement industry that statistically lacks behind any other industry with adopting technology and, you know, kind of impressing people with how much we do know, but contractors are also stereotypical given the short end of the stick. I mean, Everybody looks at us like they don't know how to use technology. Do they even have phones? It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, I've had investors that have actually said, like, how do you expect contractors to know how to use this? I'm like, come on, man. I'm a contractor. <laughs> come on, man. That's but, yeah. So oh, man. I think there are two, there are two things that are kind of merging at the same time, which is the unexpected millennials coming on scene. And we need to respect the fact that our buyers, the majority of them over the next three, four, five years of, I, I can tell you three, four, five years, the majority of home 
remodeling contracts are going to be sold to those who are between 26 and 40 years old, hands yeah. down. I'm seeing probably a good 40 to 50% of all the contracts that I sign already are with millennials. And, you know, I live in a buffered area to heavy government jobs, but, you know, it's just a matter of time before that trickles out in the other, you know, other areas of the country. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta understand what's in front of you, you know, to be able to react quickly. It's art of the pivot, right? How do you sell to millennials? Yeah. Let's be convenient, you know? Yeah. And AJ, you hit on something there that's super interesting. I think this may be one of those, those big opportunities because when I first got into marketing, this was, you know, like 13 years ago too, and starting this, this business, but the big conversation in in the marketing world was the buying process has changed and you have to adapt your marketing. And that's, we've been on this journey for 13 years of like content marketing, education style marketing, like providing value through your marketing because people are going online and doing their own research. The old model was you walk into a Best Buy, you talk to a salesperson, salesperson has all the info. The guy at the car dealership, sales guy has all the info. Then it was like internet. Oh, now the consumer has all the info. So you have to change the way you market and sell. And to what you just said, like you kind of phrase it very similarly, which is like the buying landscape is changing. If millennials are the big buyers, they're the big purchasers and they like to buy things easy, convenient, remote, like then you got to re-engineer. How are we mirroring that? Because you're not going to change the buying process. That's just like human behavior. It's baked into the culture. So, okay, but you can change how you market and sell. And so anyway, that's that's what I just heard from, from kind of like how you phrased it. And, and that's pretty interesting because I think that run can last a while. Just that concept like, oh, the buying process changed. It might be like this for a decade. So let's, let's adapt and then go hard on, on that. I feel like we could probably keep talking for another 30, 45 minutes. I want to wrap up with two questions. One, if, if people want to check out Render and you know what you guys, sounds like you're launching and then you got some new stuff coming out, but what's the best way to do that? And then I always just wrap with final words of wisdom or one last piece of advice for other remodelers out there listening. Yeah, sure. If you want to check out Render, it is R-E-N-D-R. So it's just the, you know, kind of a fun spell there, but render.com. Check us out. You know, the app is pretty cool already, but you know, we've got some fun features coming out. And if you go to the website, you can download the app, try it. You can also sign up to get some updates. I try to keep a lot of our users updated on fun features. And one big thing is we are kind of creating champions in the in that landscape too. So being contractors, I understand how important it is for that to help my own contracting business. So the more we hear from other contractors and like, hey, I wish the app could do this. Well, hey, you know, if, if you've got a great idea, we we want to hear it too. So, uh, you know, we've got some fun features coming out that were ideas through some of our beta testing. So, yeah, render.com would be the best way to check us out. Now, you can also look us up on the App Store too. We're iOS only right now. So, iOS App Store, just look up Render. You'll find us pretty quickly. But Android coming out soon, I hope. And yeah, last piece of wisdom for remodelers, I'd say probably just echoes a little bit about what we were just talking about is, you know, Seeing around corners is probably one of the, you know, if you wish, everybody wishes they had a crystal ball, right? But seeing around corners, knowing kind of what's coming down in front of your business, whether you're on the older side and looking to retire, handing the company off to someone new, or perhaps you're, you know, someone in your family, or if you're like me, kind of on the younger side, starting a business or just getting into growing a business, 
Uh, seeing around corners is one of the hardest things that you can do, but really it's picking your eyes up, surveying your landscape. It's, we get so entrenched and it's always like eyes down, focus on like just work harder. And that's always been, especially generationally speaking, my, my parents' generation, Gen Xers, it's like, if you work harder at it, you're going to be more successful at it. But I think millennials are once again, kind of changing the way that that looks. It's, it's not necessarily working harder. It's working smarter. And I, part of that is making sure that you're constantly course correcting, lifting those eyes up. You know, you can, you can get in, you can get focused on what you're doing, but all of a sudden, you know, you realize like kind of steered off path a little bit. So pick the head up, survey the landscape, understand what is happening in other industries, other segments, network with other people. Roundtables are great. You know, business coaches, people that are in other industries, just lean on on expertise. And like I said, pick that head up and just survey the landscape, figure out what's going on. Because when I tell you that millennials are taking over, millennials are taking over and you're going to have to realize that one way or another. And if your head's down the whole time, you're not going to see it coming. So, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Well, AJ, I appreciate you carving out the time and sharing your story with us today. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month, we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.